0: Piper men meet such interesting people, they know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people. Media Project is a half hour of commentary and analysis, and on our best days, some insight into news media issues of the week, and we thank you for joining us. I'm Rex Smith, here with Alan Shartok, Barbara Lombardo, and Judy Patrick. We are your veteran journalists offering some analysis this week. And, you know, I think one of the things that we ought to start with is the recognition that there's some terrific reporting going on, notwithstanding the demise of the media that we often talk about, the financial perils that are confronting the media. I was listening to this terrific NPR series on incarceration on Indian reservations, which is quite Mm. Remarkable reporting. And another one that I want to talk about, and Alan, I want to get your take on this first, is ProPublica, the not-for-profit newsroom that does some terrific reporting, has won a number of Pulitzer Prizes since it was founded 10 years ago. ProPublica has done a big story showing that the 25 wealthiest Americans saw their worth rise a collective $401 billion from 2014 to 2018. And they paid a true tax rate of only 3.4%. Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. Do you have any problem with that kind of reporting being done? You think that's a good idea?
1: I think it's a great idea. I think the whole premise of democracy, of course, Rex, is that people have to know how good services, rewards are being distributed in their country. And if they know that... They can vote appropriately or they can act appropriately. So I think that the news media becomes a terrific transmission belt that allows us as citizens to be able to take appropriate action Based on what we're learning.
0: Judy Patrick, uh, you've been a newspaper editor for many years, now vice president of the New York Press Association. Here's what I want to know about this. IRS data is confidential. Our tax returns are not supposed to be public. So would that cause you any concern if this came to your desk as an editor and you said, here's this story and we're revealing confidential information?
2: That is true. It is illegal for someone at the IRS to release these tax returns. If you remember, for a very long time, we were not able to access former President Trump's tax returns. So in this case, it is not illegal at all for ProPublica to take the information that it received somehow anonymously. They don't know where the source was. And publish them and they did this it shows how a reputable news organization can handle the release of this kind of information appropriately they took the information and then they made a comprehensive story about tax rate policy and they were selective they were judicious they didn't just publish everything I mean maybe they have the Social Security numbers maybe they have who these people donated money to people at ProPublica say there are many more stories yet to come from this but again it shows the news media just doesn't take information and publish it they look at it carefully and they decide what might be harmful and what might not be it's tough it's a difficult thing to do but that's what they historically have done especially with reputable news organizations
0: now Barbara Lombardo so I'll see if I can provoke this out of you uh, you're teaching journalism now at you Albany longtime newspaper editor uh, executive editor at the Saratogian and the Troy record but Think about this. How is this not just the uh, juicy gossip about uh, lifestyles of the rich and famous? Uh, if you had this on local, like, say, uh, prominent local citizens in your communities, would you have published a similar story?
3: I think it depends on what the story is. So you take the information, surely. You also need to make a diligent effort to corroborate the information. You can't assume that this is correct. And I know ProPublica did try to do that with the people who were whose uh, taxes were released. So locally, it depends on, you know, is it news? Just because you have the information doesn't necessarily make it news. So it depends. If it's something about someone who is against raising the minimum wage and they say my business can't afford to stay in business if we have to give people a living wage or increase their salaries, and then you find out that they're paying you know, 3% of their income or that their company is paying, you know, very little. I think this is how you get the public informed and we become a catalyst for positive change by letting people know what's going on. People can relate to this. They're not arcane topics with gigantic numbers just in the billions and millions when you start talking about 3% and you know that you're paying your fair share, you're paying 20
1: or 30% of your income. Why aren't these people? And yet, there does seem to be something that I think Rex was hinting at it, vaguely or not so vaguely disturbing about a crook comes along, they steal something. Okay, in other words, this is stolen. And now they hand it to you. And you're supposed to say, well... You know, you're the crook, I'm not I'm taking this material and I'm going to use it That doesn't seem right to me
0: Well, the IRS is now investigating The commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service Says that there is an investigation of how ProPublica was able to obtain it And so you get to this ironic situation Where the social good of exposing injustice What seems to be legal injustice <laughs> in the tax system Is there, but the person who made that possible by leaking it could well be prosecuted. That is something. I mean, we isn't there some moral question about us taking advantage of it as journalists? But those who make this possible for us are the ones who will pay the penalty.
1: I don't know. You know, Rex. It's interesting because it all depends on whose ox is being gored here. You know, I, I'm fairly well known in our little area that we cover here, and you know, somebody takes my tax information and distributes it. Not that I have anything to worry about, but if somebody does that, I might be annoyed, and so might everybody else who's sitting at this table, even though, you know, as we we all said, we all pay our 30% or whatever we pay. So it seems to me that if you have laws and journalists skirt those laws, it's not nice.
2: The journalists aren't skirting the laws, though, and the ax isn't being gored. The ax is being embarrassed, I mean, it's one thing to investigate a leak that imperils the national security or threatens to put someone in danger. It's another thing to embarrass—Jeff Bezos is going to go into space, and so now we know that he doesn't pay any taxes. He may be a little embarrassed. He probably is not embarrassed. Just like Donald Trump, he was pretty proud of the fact that he didn't pay any income taxes. And And he was smart. Yeah, and it was a smart thing to do. I mean, it's not illegal for a newspaper or any media organization to publish this kind of information— It's illegal for them to obtain it illegally, for them to tap into a computer system or to to steal it. But if someone else has done it and hands it to them, they're fine to go with it. Many Supreme Court cases have decided in favor of media organizations Think of the Pentagon Papers 50 years ago sure. this year, Pentagon Papers, same thing. It's important. There are a lot of things the government doesn't want us to know that they classify and they say it's illegal for us to know. Well, time after time after time, we get that information and we
1: realize we should have known that. The public should well, have known. Well, Well, let's make it legal to know it. In other words, you say somebody steals it and they put it out there. that That's okay. No, that's breaking a law, and the media, which, you know, I mean, I have nothing but respect for it. I want to know how much taxes Donald Trump pays, but do we have a two-class system here in which the Judy Patricks of the world are allowed to thumb their noses at the rules and the law and work around it and say, well, I'm justified because I'm the press.
2: We don't, we don't have a two-class system. <laughs> we do have a First Amendment, and that is the reason that— You can that break the law. I'm not breaking the law when I publish that information. The Supreme Court has ruled I am not breaking
3: the law. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also saying that the people who we're reporting on in these stories are also not breaking the law, that what they've done is legal. And so whether the material was obtained initially improperly or illegally, we have a responsibility to use it in a responsible way and also to protect that source.
0: Now, what about the investigations, then, that are now being revealed, that the Trump administration in particular had a record number of investigations and prosecutions of people for leaking? And we have only recently found out that there was even a gag order on The New York Times and on CNN to not let anybody know in the public, even for the lawyers for those organizations, not to let the executives or the editors of those organizations know that the phone records of reporters had been seized. That the government was going after, secretly going after The phone records of journalists To find out who had been leaking this information to them Dr. Shartok, any problem with that?
1: No, I have no problem with it I think it's fine But I am very interested in the idea that you people As I often call you The three of you are, you know, newspaper people, you know, think anything that you guys do is justified and, you know, others are not allowed to skirt the laws, if not break them. You say, well, it's not really breaking the laws and this has been reviewed. And by the way, it isn't only Trump who's done this. Obama wasn't happy with the leaks in his administration, and I think that's been forever. Richard Nixon, uh, wiretapped reporters' phones,
0: uh, the Bush administration. Yeah, I'm a big
1: friend of know. Richard Nixon's. Yeah. Cut it out.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they all did it. So you're saying you have no problem with this.
1: I say I have no problem with the people getting the information.
0: Oh, no, uh, I'm asking I, how you feel about that. You just said, well, the question I asked was if yes. you have a problem with the government seizing the reporter's records. Oh, yes, I have a big problem with oh, that. Oh, you do? Yeah, I because I know what they're up
1: to. I don't like it. But for the sake of this program being an honest and good forum,
0: I try to raise all of the issues. Okay. You're taking a breath, Judy. You're about to say something.
2: So I was I was <laughs> outraged when I first heard that, again, I understand that previous administrations have gone after reporters' emails and who they're talking to. I was outraged when I first learned about this seizure of CNN information, Washington yeah. Post information, New York Times, and then doubly outraged because I find out that they have been under a gag order. The lawyer has not even been able to tell the reporters or the editors that the Justice Department is doing this. Let's be clear, the average person doesn't understand why this is so important. It's important because, again, there are things the government does not want us to know. And the only way we find out is through these leaks. And even though people can go to jail, and people have gone to jail for leaking information to the press, what this does, it scares everyone who might potentially be Releasing information, important information like Daniel Ellsberg did in the Pentagon Papers. Maybe now we won't do it because he's worried about, you know, reporters' phones being tapped. Well, they're not tapped. They've got the logs of who they called so they know who the reporter is. Like They even at some point reached out to see what calls were being placed from nearby phone booths. So this trying to track down leakers, I understand it. But I think they've gone way too far in these cases. So let me
1: ask you a question, Judy, since you're so bright and, uh, you know, you're so— Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 (laughs) Let's just assume that you were the president or the editor of a major metropolitan newspaper, which, of course, you were. And you find out that somebody is leaking your most intimate information wherever you are. Um, Intimate information? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a different matter from leaking government policy information. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay.
1: But in terms of you're not wanting everybody to know your business, as we say, do you think that you would be in a different position than the people you're now criticizing? Because
2: it was a private company, certainly. But the government is the public. It's we the people. Let's not forget that the public has a right to know. And democracy can only function if the public knows the information they need to
1: know. We agree on that, except that Rex is always using that silly line about it's a um, private company. Therefore, we can do anything we want within the law as opposed to if it's a government. And so there you are, too, Judy, lining up with him in your usual way.
3: Oh, man. I understand. I think we all can understand the government's concern that there are certain things that need to probably should remain classified. Maybe I'm being naive and trusting about the government. There's probably things that should not be leaked. However, the way to go after those leaks need to be internal within their department, not going after the reporter's information.
0: So the good news is that the Biden administration has changed this. It seemed almost like an off-the-cuff comment by the president, but the Biden administration backed up and said they will change the Justice Department policy that allowed prosecutors to tap reporters' phones and root out leakers. This is not going to happen anymore, according to President Biden. And this happens after uh, one of the Times reporters, New York Times reporters, who was tapped, Adam Goldman said this about the US Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia quote they have a history of treating the media like drug gangs seeking process to get phone logs in emails to root out information it's preposterous so treating journalists like drug gangs supposedly is not going to happen anymore
2: uh, well at least while Joe Biden is president yes that's why we need some federal legislation to change this because Joe Biden's not gonna be present forever and the next person may Reverse the policy once again and may even be more aggressive in going after what reporters are doing
0: Absolutely true The reason why this is important is it's really an affront to the First Amendment This is really, you know, we have freedom of speech in this country But that freedom is restricted if you feel as though the government's going to come looking over your shoulder When you're talking to someone about something that's going on inside the government Talking
1: to someone who may be breaking the law, Rex?
0: Talking to someone who may be, yeah. Here's actually one of the other elements of this, though, that we really don't bring out, that even Hillary Clinton, when she was being investigated for the email server, you know, one of the many partisan investigations of Hillary Clinton, she made the point that we overclassify in this country. Stuff just gets rubber-stamped classified, whether it really needs to be or not, and that is an attempt, again, to stop the embarrassment of public officials. And it's our job as journalists to try to root it out. You know, when I was the editor of the Times Union, I worked with this great investigative reporter, Brendan Lyons, who's now a managing editor there. Brendan used to actually have his sources call him. He would call them from a house phone at a hotel near our office and ask people to call him on a pay phone booth that he knew of near this radio studio. So that even if their phones were being tracked by the governor's people, they wouldn't be able to find out that he was calling the Times Union. So, even in the state of New York, even aside from Washington, this kind of stuff goes on. Investigative reporters know that they have to protect their best sources. Uh So... That's just interesting technique. Protect uh, sources who are breaking the law. Mm. I mean, yeah, breaking the law, Alan. You, you sound so you like Donald this Trump. A, you know, so so, it's all <laughs> <say>, oh, <laughs> good. Let's yeah. just. Oh, you can't break the law. Well, come what, on now. What about this, civil? Come on, cut it out. There's this is the media project. Yeah. If you
1: think I believe everything I'm saying, you'd be wrong. <laughs> I'm just trying to, to stop this gaggle of. You know, anything's justified as long as we're journalists. Uh.
2: Well, you know, there are a lot of people out there who actually believe that, who think that people who leak information, who think Daniel Osberg should have gone to jail, they're of that mindset, and they don't understand... Why we do what we do, and why that information, again, often shouldn't have been classified, shouldn't be secret. Like there was a time in our history when tax returns were readily disclosed. We all know how much everybody pays in property taxes. There's a lot of good to be done for having information available to the public. Listen, we published so, the salaries of public officials. So change the law. Change the law.
1: Yeah, and by the way, if anybody wants to hear my conversation with Daniel Ellsberg, just go to wamc.org and look it up, and you can listen to that hour. Aha! Pretty cool. When was that done? 1831.
0: Okay, very good. (laughs) This is the uh, Media Project. That's Alan Shartok, Judy Patrick, Barbara Lombardo, and Rex Smith. We are here with you every week. And if you want to have your views shared, media at wamc.org is how you can share your thoughts. You know, most people get their news from television, and Fox News folks, is back as the number one cable channel after having fallen off in the aftermath. There's an interesting article. It comes from a book that was written by Brian Stelter of CNN called Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. That book talks about the post-election changes at Fox. This is recent history now and how Fox News has become more partisan more opinionated less about news more about trying to reach the far right a producer said to Brian Stelter quote we turned so far right we went crazy and i guess the question i want to ask this group is what can be done when the most popular cable channel is devolving into a purely opinion driven Hard right, even further departing From what is actual news uh, What, is there anything You think that we can do about this uh, Because after all This is driven by market forces This is just what happens when the audience Goes that
1: way. That's absolutely right, Rex uh, There is nothing that can be done Because if there is something that can be done to them It can be done to everybody else, you know, in media And so what is particularly particularly—by that rings when Alan makes a Particularly cogent comment <laughs> So, so so, Fox knows full well that this is where the money lies, and they're going to go there. And if there are enough Americans, and apparently there are because there are 74 million of them who voted for Trump, who will say, OK, this is my network. It reinforces everything I have to say about the way that things are going in this country. And I don't see what you can do except call them out for it. Now, I have to be honest with you, there's a whole new movement in television journalism that we hadn't seen 10 years ago in which... If there's something particularly reprehensible, CNN will put it on with Fox's logo right underneath it that they said this, and it's a way in which they can hold them somewhat responsible. But other than that, I don't know what you can do. You can sue them if they say something that is particularly wrong or harmful, but I I don't see it. Yeah, it's a huge problem. It's all about the money for them. Sure. There's no ethics or integrity involved in this. And more about the prestige of being the number one right-wing cable station. They know that if they continue to do this, people will laud them who they need. They don't care about the people who would watch CNN Right, they're not really reporting news.
3: They're just reinforcing opinions. And I wish that there would be a cable station that was, maybe this is why I'm not in the business end of things, that would be a more straight news reporting entity so that people who maybe are sick of or want to hear something that's not totally wackadoodle on either side can go to this trusting news source that holds both
1: sides accountable. Well do you consider CNN a wackadoodle?
3: No, but I think that CNN has definitely come out so liberal on positions that it's not a, you know, straight and narrow. So I think you have to call out people on both sides, and
0: well, you know what it is. I think is that the prime time hours have become now an exhibition space for opinion rather than straight news reporting. You know, CNN does really great straight news reporting. So do the yep, major networks, true. the broadcast networks, when there is actual news happening. If a space shuttle explodes or if there is a natural disaster, this is really fine reporting. But when you take the prime hours when someone is watching and you fill it with opinion as though you're just it's as though you've put in print the editorial page on the front page day after day after day. And that becomes what people are known for, and that divides the country. You know, Barack Obama did an interesting interview in recent days with Anderson Cooper. And he said that, uh, that the path toward an undemocratic America is happening in a series of steps. And he said the media has an important role to play. And one of the issues, Obama says, is the nationalization of the media, not the state taking control of private media, but, for example, Sinclair, which owns a lot of local TV stations, leads its local newscast with national stories and requires these uh, local stations in the capital region of New York, that is the CBS affiliate, CBS 6, requires them to carry these national right-wing commentaries, that has an impact. And that is sort of poisoning even the, the local journalism that people have trusted for years.
2: Right. you got to love, I mean, I've got to love the former President Obama for focusing on the value of local news. There was a, re- a study a few months ago out of California comparing two newspapers, and it showed that if the local editorial page focused on local issues, there was far less polarization in the community than if they included a lot of national issues. As you're seeing less and less local news, it does increase the polarization, and um, that is contributing to the fights at family tables and the bars and the restaurants over, you know, major geopolitical issues. I really appreciate him noting that that's not the whole solution. We have got to have people pay attention to it as well. And so, you
0: have to have the local media surviving. I mean, we had a story this week about a Texas newspaper that has managed to survive because they—
3: uh, They have a coffee shop. They have a coffee shop. Oh, my God. Oh. You know, I, <laughs> some of great. the listeners might know that when the Saratogians sold its building, or Alden Capital sold the building, and Saratoga moved to office space down the street in the city, that building is now a coffee shop and bar, uh-huh. but privately owned. And you know, reading that story about Texas, thinking, oh, wouldn't that have been great to keep that going? It's a popular, lively place, and that could provide an alternate source of revenue instead of classified ads.
1: Right, exactly. Well, well, let me take a different view of this. It seems to me there's a problem with this Sinclair story in the way that we're talking about it. You know, Donald Trump is a would be dictator, a guy who's tried to instill a fascist system in the United States. He is by far the most difficult president that we have ever, ever had when it comes to subverting the democracy. So, if that is the case, I see no problem with local news doing what they need to do in order to stop this takeover from happening, this fascist takeover from happening in the United States. So w- while we may tisk tisk and say they should cover more local news, I think there's a problem with not everybody
0: on board getting involved in this. Well, I think you have a point, Alan. I hate to say that. I know you do, Rick.
2: <laughs> well, I like to check in, in in a year or two and see how the coffee shop is doing. Yeah. I think the, you know I don't want to divert too many resources or attention away from the core business, which is producing news, to run a coffee shop. I understand there was a trend for a while, maybe 10 years ago, to have little coffee bars in the lobbies of newsrooms to encourage people to come in and give us their opinions about this or that, to more uh, to engage with the public. But again, I I think let's focus on. On the core mission too.
0: but what's the difference if it's turning revenue uh, you know if you're Ted Turner for example and you used the revenue from uh, your outdoor advertising it was his billboard company that initially funded CNN when he launched it. You know, it's great to have revenue of one sort or another Whether it be from a kitchen that's serving food to your community Or from uh, classified ads, as Barbara says You know, one of the things that newspapers have considered is You have this network of independent contractors who work for you Delivering the paper in the morning If you're going by all these houses anyway Why don't you just become the delivery service? Why don't you become a local version of FedEx And just do this for your local companies? I think there are some creative ways that you might be able to to draw some revenue that you could then plow back into your newsroom.
3: I like that. I might order an egg sandwich to arrive with my own? Saratogian <laughs> <See> and <laughs> Times Union in the morning. There you go. You know, Alan, when you talked about uh, mm. national news versus the local news. I think on the local level, we need to do both, and that exposing the fascist tendencies and the risks that our democracy faces is something that faces local journalists, and there still are plenty of them around. Now that we, when we have the next round of elections coming up, do we ask the local politicians where they stand on those national issues? So we want to know where they stand on the road paving and the bringing smart Internet service to your community or things like that. But do we also want to know, was the election a lie? Where do they stand? Because that bubbles from the bottom up.
0: Boy, that's a really good point. And, you know, in editorial board meetings for years, when I sat on the Times Union editorial board, we had this goal of trying to find out what people thought about these broader issues because these local officials tend to rise up. If you're a elected city court judge today, you could be on the Supreme Court tomorrow, and then you could be nominated for federal judgeship. So it's best to sort of... Um, well, I guess it's like the king who tries to off the crown prince or something like that. You know, you can see this this youngster is going to be rising, and so take care of him early. Shakespeare wrote about it. But these are some are of the you some kind of English major. Yeah, sorry about mm-hmm. that. We yeah. have to bring some of that stuff in. Anyway, we've run out of time despite no. all of these interesting conversations. How could that be? Yeah. It's been a very thoughtful, thought-provoking conversation. Alan Shartok, Barbara Lombardo, Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith. With gratitude to our producer David Gostina for making us sound much better than we otherwise would, and gratitude to you for joining us this week once again on the Media Project. The Media Project is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok is CEO of WAMC, Professor Emeritus at the State University of New York, commentator, columnist, and author. Rex Smith is the former editor of the Albany Times Union. Judy Patrick is the Vice President for Editorial Development for the New York Press Association. And Barbara Lombardo is a journalism professor at the University at Albany and former executive editor of the Saratogian and the Troy Record. You can listen to or podcast The Media Project anytime at wamc.org or just download the WAMC app for your iPhone or Android at the Play Store today. Thanks for listening. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers of freedom of the press.